I've always, well, you know, you can't really have a favorite scripture because you spend enough time there, then you'll be going to another one, right? And you'll, you'll find God's word is rich wherever you go. But I've always loved First uh, and Second Peter and First John. And so the first thing that popped into my mind, because I, I go there a lot, is Second Peter chapter 1. And so we're just going to diverge off of a little bit of what we've been doing with, uh, with Dwight going through um, the Gospels. And, and we'll do a little bit of Second Peter chapter 1 and hopefully uh, um, back in over the winter, I think Joshua Bobion did uh, um, First Peter, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I was going to maybe just do a little... You know, because you're starting jumping in in the second letter, and really they're 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 connected, but they're so much the same, and and yet there's some differences. And the first Peter is so much about the foundations of the gospel, and um, you know, being born again deals with that hope in the resurrection, to the inheritance in heaven that we have, and we sung about that tonight too, about inheritance we have, um, how we're kept by His power, and that there will be trials. You know, and being sober-minded, not conformed to the world, but be conformed to God. Love the brethren, uh, desire, desire the sincere milk of the word, as in First Peter. Come to him as living stones for his house, because we're his people, we're not the world's. And um, act like it, Peter goes in, First Peter goes into that. Act like it, you know, with regards to government. How do you act as a believer? With regards to your, your boss, uh, your employees, with... Uh, uh, your spouse, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, being like-minded and loving each other, and then expect resistance. He literally goes through that in, in First Peter, talking about expecting resistance, expect trials, but the end is at hand. Let God, let the God of grace establish, strengthen, and settle you and settle your hearts. And that's kind of the, a very brief summary of First Peter. In Second Peter, he's addressing some things that are starting to go on in the church. And um, something that, in chapter 2 and 3, I'm not going to get to tonight, but just uh, if you want to go through that uh, when you get home or in the days ahead, uh, if, if you're interested in, in keeping on and going with it, um, he gets into the, to the false teachers that are among us, just like there were false teachers in the Old Testament, and false prophets. And he goes on to, uh, if you want to, I'll pique your interest with this. The Bible teaches the Big Bang, and the Bible teaches global warming. In Second Peter chapter three, <laughs> I love somebody's laughing already, right? Second uh, Peter chapter three, it says, um, verse ten: "But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise." That's your Big Bang, and the and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. That's your global warming in a big way. So. <laughs> Well, anyways, uh, chapter 1, um, verse 1. I'm just going to read through the first chapter, and then we'll come back and, and just do a few little word studies. And So Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to, self, uh, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brother kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, even more, uh, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it is right as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And um, so uh, the first thing you want to do whenever you're studying the Bible is you want to do observation. And then you want to do um, interpretation. And then you want to do application. These are principles of what they call inductive Bible study. <clears throat> Generally speaking, you'd read through this book, you know, four or five, six times, ten times, however many times you want to do it. And you'd begin to let things jump out at you and settle. And, and so you'd observe simple things. Who's the author of the book is a simple question, but that's something that applies to the context of the book and, and gives uh, specific meaning to who and how, why he wrote what he wrote. Um, so Peter is a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And so he is indeed the author. Um, and uh, to those who have obtained like precious faith uh, with us by the righteousness of God and and save our God and Savior Jesus Christ. That's one there for your cults that would not assume that, or that would assume that the Lord is not um, God. And it says simply right there, the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So um, no matter how they want to parse that out, that's the, the best of the language. Now the word like there, when it says he obtained like precious faith with us, it simply means um, equal to what what Peter had received. And so he's, the recipients of this letter are those who have obtained this like faith. Um, and it's precious. In verse 2, grace and peace multiplied to you, the, Lord, uh, the, the knowledge of 
God and of Jesus Christ our Lord as his divine power has given to us. In verse 2, grace and peace, we always have the, the, the two um, together. And it's always grace first and then peace, as we, you've, been, you've heard from this pulpit many, many times. Um, but we have been saved, but it also says multi- multiplied. Um, when we're talking about uh, how that happens, how does grace and peace be multiplied to you exponentially, if you will? Well, it's through the knowledge of God and through Jesus, our Lord. You know, And so some of the things that we depend on on our day-to-day as we're trying to walk with the Lord and, 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 uh, or as we're resting in him, not trying really to do anything, but, but applying ourselves to resting with him or in him is to have that grace and peace. And how do we obtain a, an exponential multiplied by have the knowledge of the word? It's not a heady knowledge of having all the details. It's a knowledge that where you know the word and you know the author behind the word and you have faith because your faith is in him, not in your knowledge of the word. And um, so there's um, a, a great deal of peace that comes with that, knowing that we can, can ab- obtain that. Um, in verse 3, uh, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, the divine power is his. It's not ours. Uh, when we think about the... Uh, you know, he's given to this all things that pertain not only to life, food, water, shelter, whatever that would be, and the things in this life that pertain to being able to apply ourselves to him. Uh, having Bibles where for a century back in the Dark Ages or six, seven hundred years, a printed copy of the Bible was rare. And, and people would go simply on faith and also on what they would hear. Um, and so, but this is a divine power that he's given to us. And it's one of a couple places where we, where we see this is a divine thing. It's a heavenly thing. It's a, it's a God thing, not our own strength. And it says all things. And we've heard before, how many is all? All is all. All things pertaining to life. Not only that, but all things pertaining to godliness. Okay, so we have this, we get saved and we have this peace. We, we, we know that we know him. And it may be the first time ever, but we also know that we got to give up some things. We need to turn away. We need. We find out what this word repentance is, and we're going, "What is that? That's a big word. I don't know what repentance means." Well, it just means turn, do a one eighty. You were going this direction. Now you're going away from that and towards the Lord. And so that's the simple definition of rep- repentance. But this godliness, you, do, you break down the word. It's reverence, respect, and a piety towards God. It's, it's not a self-attained uh, um, self-righteousness. It's, it's not in and of ourselves. It came from that divine power, right? Right there it says this. He, here, his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And so now how again do we receive these things? Or how again does this happen? Well, it says through the knowledge of him. And so again, spending time in the word. It's, it's something that goes on and on and, and um, we really will never be tired of, of learning new things in God's word. There's really no reason for us to let it sit on the nightstand. There's really no reason for us to just uh, never pick it up except when we were desperate. 
It's something that can give us life every day and something that helps us on our day. And yes, there will be trials, just like we talked about in First Peter. And there will be uh, resistance. And our own flesh that we carry around with us every day is going to bristle at that. We're not going to always want to pick up the word. We're not going to want to face something that we maybe don't want to have to face. But really, the knowledge of him is what gives us that ability to continue to um, obtain or to, to walk in these divine things. It's divine power. He's given us everything. It's the word power is dunamos or, or dynamos. It's dynamite. It's the ability to take everything and get it done. And so um, then uh, going on, uh, you know, it's, we're called by his glory and his virtue, it says. Now, the glory and the, and the virtue you might think of, a, you know, whenever I think of glory, I'm thinking of this massive brightness in heaven. But what the glory means here, when he's speaking about how we're called, it's that brightness making it apparent. It's illuminated, illuminated that, we're, that we are called by glory. It was apparent. It's a done deal. You know it. If, you, if you're not sure, we'll get to that. But that is something that you're called by. That, uh, that brilliance of him shining a light on you, making that calling apparent, and virtue. And virtue is properly. It's in that particular sentence here, the definition really means properly. So that light shined and illuminated the fact that you were called the way it was supposed to, so that you knew it. And so when, when you were, uh, you know, you're, you're people who have obtained like faith as Peter, and there's the evidence of it when you know that it was apparent to you and it was done properly to you that you knew it. It wasn't a big you know, mystery. It wasn't because somebody twisted your arm. I hope not. If so, well, take it to the Lord. You know, he will do it properly. And um, then moving on to verse 4, um, by which we have been given... To, or by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And there again we have divine, something from God. It's a something that's given to us, partakers, right? Well, the reason uh, this exceeding great and precious promises, um, promises both to be partakers of that divine nature, but also to escape the corruption and depravity in the world through lust. These are the things that he has given us through his divine nature, the ability to do these things. And yeah, we still wake up every morning. We still have this flesh. We still live in a world where there are temptations. We still may stumble. We still may fall. He picks us up. He loves us. He dusts us off and sets us on our way. You know that, that it's, it's a... It's a day-by-day picking up our cross. The cross is where we put our our own will and our own flesh to death. And we pick up the cross and follow after him. And so when you're talking about these promises, he specifically says right there what they are through these promises. You're partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so there is basically, these are the things here, verses 2 through 4, that he has given us. This is from him to us. There's nothing we did except, like I said, when, when we believed, we obtained that like faith. It was apparent, it was proper, and he gave us these things. And so it's a divine thing given to us. In verse 5, but also for this very reason, the reason above, giving all diligence. Now he goes on to we give. What's our part? 
Now, our part is not to do all these things. Our part is to give diligence to work and go towards these things. Add, it says, to your faith. And so we do want to do these things, but it's not a type of a do thing where you've got to get the whole list and you've got to do it tomorrow or tonight before you leave the building. No, it's not like that. This is something where you begin to, you begin to add. You begin, you've got this faith. You've obtained this faith. And in First Peter, he goes into the fundamentals, the foundations. You know, desire the sincere, sincere milk of the word. But now he's saying, moving on, you know, but for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And what the word diligence there is, is kind of interesting. It means be hasty to go there. That's kind of interesting when it comes to diligence. You know, when you see somebody who's diligent at work, well, they're busy to get the job done. Make it your business. It's not just going to kind of happen to you. You know, make it your business. That's, that's part of the definition of this word, diligence. I did a lot of word studies. I'm kind of just giving you all the, the, the surrounding, you know, definitions to help you understand this is really what he was, was intending, and, you know, whether it be we understand Greek or whatever. So um, it's something you care for. And it's something you move to it. You're moving towards it. These are all the things that diligence encompasses. Um, so when we think about diligence, it, it makes sense to us, these things, to be hasty, to go there, make it your business, care for it. Well, so what is the list? Or what are, what are these things that we want to add and, and move on to as we're going along? Well, first of all, he talks about we've obtained this faith. And so now add to it. Now, faith is believing with full trust. It's, it's something where it doesn't show by what you say. It, you may be able to share your faith, but what people see is your faith because it's an action. It's a, it's a verb. And so we all know this, but uh, just as a understanding, you know, faith is believing with full trust. Now, what do we add to that? Well, we add virtue. Now, virtue, again, ties up what, a little bit of what we saw earlier. Uh, it simply means proper and fitting with moral excellence. You know, uh, examples he gives would be modesty, or, or what, what the word gives would be modesty and purity. These are things of, of virtue. You know, um, add to your faith virtue. So right now we're just sim simply finding that the action begins to take place. Faith is an action. It's not a word. It is an action. And that action now moves proper, fitting, with moral excellence. Modesty, and what do you add to that? Well, knowledge, and here we go again. Where do you gain this knowledge? Or what do you do with this knowledge? Through knowing God's word. And the thing of it is, is I'm going to get to this probably a little early now, but the most important thing to me in my walk, because I grew up a Lutheran preacher's kid, so I, I had religion. Um, I was a terrible kid. I, I brought a lot of shame to my parents in this little town in Wisconsin, I will not name. And to this day their issues um so because you know there's a congregation there that knows me and knows what i did you know this little lutheran church and so um i know what it means to be religious and i know what religious people are like and i'm not going to point the finger i can't judge any man's heart mine even or yours but um what what i understood when i got saved is what god desires is a one-on-one -on -one with him you know this is good and fellowship is good. A one-on-one, -on -one, that's where it starts. So this knowledge, you know, what does the word say about what is right? What does the word say about what is wrong for the believer, for behavior for a believer? That's the knowledge he's speaking about. 
We talked about proper fitting with moral excellence, modesty, purity, and the knowledge he's speaking about is what fits with that. What, what does the word say? What is right? What is wrong for the believer? That's the knowledge we add to that. Self-control. Well, now that adds to that right on top of that. Master your desires. Master your passions. Master your sensual appetites. You know, these are things that, that need to be mastered. This is a, a self-control. You know, we obviously are living in a society where that's just not there. I mean, do what you want. And it's been like that from the beginning. There's nothing new. But um, nevertheless, um, so self-control just adds right, right after that. You know, doing what is proper, understanding what is right and wrong for a believer, and then master your own desires and passions. And so then next comes the perseverance, which is obviously necessary when you're trying to master your own desires and passions. <laughs> you know, it's going to take perseverance. Now, there's an interesting uh, aspect. I'm sure you've heard this before. Uh, if not, then good, because oftentimes we think of perseverance as grunting with everything we got to get this thing done. Well, perseverance is really patience. And patience, and in, in when you talk about in the Greek, forgive me for that, but it means, well, the word is, uh, I'm going to mess it up here, uh, hypomone or hupomone, I think is the correct way. And basically what it means is um, there's a burden and it's on top of you, a rock, some type of a burden. And you want to get out from under it. It's like, get this thing off me. But the, what the word means here with, with perseverance is you stay under it. That is what you do. You persevere under whatever is on you. And that's the, the definition there. And, uh, you know, to wait or to hold in place. Uh, hold on the course that you're on for the Lord, whether that course is becoming difficult uh, if you know that he's got you on that course, stay there and stay on that course when it's not easy, simply put. And that's going to bring you to godliness. Um, the next uh, thing that we're to add to our uh, perseverance is godliness. And that is, again, uh, what we talked about early, earlier. He's, this is one of the things that by his divine power he's given to us. It's reverence, respect, and piety towards God. And to that brotherly kindness, you know, we, we had that one-on-one -on -one first, right? And once that's established, then we go horizontal. You've seen it, heard it many times. It's, it's the only way you can do your true faith in the Lord. Certainly, he says, you know, how can you say you're a Christian if you're not taking care of the needs of your brethren or the poor? You know, and that's in there. But what he, you're not going to be able to do these things without this divine power that now you can go horizontally with that and so to your uh, to your godliness you add your brotherly kindness and that is simply the word philadelphia and they sure could use some and uh, philo or phileo and basically towards specifically your brothers and sisters in the lord and it's it's basically not agape that's next and from that that phileo add to now your phileo the agape love, and we, uh, you should know by now, I guess, actually, I don't know my audience. You know, I've, I'm, I've been here so long, and I've seen so many of you so long, I presume everyone of you have been here for a long time. But you've heard this, if you haven't, agape is charity. In other words, something that costs you and you don't get a response from. You, you give it, and you don't necessarily have anything in return for it. It's not for profit. It's not even a trade. It's not a balance. It is a all out, and then you, you get more from the Lord. It's, it's selfless 
love in the truest sense. And so that gets us through the things that we add now to our faith down to um, what, what's interesting. I think I missed something here. Um, oh, yeah. And so basically in, in light of that, you know, reading through those verses, you know, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. You know, if you do these things, you will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge, again, of the Lord. You've got a lot of knowledge. Well, there needs to be fruit. It needs to be born. So prayerfully um, examine yourselves. If you have come to him, like he says, you've obtained like precious faith, faith, then he has promised these things, his divine power to live and live godly lives. If you know you have the littlest faith, then add to it, because we know faith can be the littlest grain of a mustard seed, right? Well, then just start adding to it. That's where you go. It, it doesn't need to come ready to move mountains. It just needs to, and you can, but, you know, you just need to begin to add these things. And uh, he called you openly and properly, you know, through glory and virtue, to escape corruption and depravity, and to bear fruit. Now, short-sighted is an interesting word, because this for me, I often struggle and wrestle with things because I think, seem to think that I've got to do this in my own strength so much. And, and so the word short-sighted is myopazo, and it basically you know what myopath, my, uh, wait, myopia, 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 isn't that the eyes, right? Where you, uh, uh, you only see what's really near. You're short-sighted, you're nearsighted, if you will. Well, you know, what he's talking about here is we've got this, this uh, path to follow adding one to the next, you know. And, and so to be short-sighted, uh, you know, you're only thinking about your own circumstances. You're wrapped up in your own world. You, you're short, you see closely, but you don't see far ahead. You know, so everything is how you feel. You know, it's like I'm only seeing what I feel because that's it's right here close to me. I'm I'm getting pinched. I'm I'm getting too hot. I'm getting too cold, or whatever. I'm hungry or something. This is all. It's a short sightedness that only can be. Uh, you're only getting what you are feeling right then and there. Now, it doesn't give diligence. You're not going to give diligence if you're being short sighted, because you know how can you be doing the the going after the things and making haste to do what's right if you're short-sighted. You know, how are you going to be able to have faith and trust and in a way that your actions take place? Because, uh, you know, if you're short-sighted, you're only concerned about how you feel right now. You're not going to be taking action to move on, and you're not going to be taking action to, well, to go to the next thing. You know, each one of these, if you think about it, short-sightedness will basically make these almost impossible. You know, if you're short-sighted, you're worried about what you feel, and you're not worried about what the Word says. You know, I don't know if I like what the Bible says about my, you know, habits. Or I don't know, you know, I kind of like my habits. They feel good, and I'm, I'm right here. I don't really see where they're going to take me, whether or not they're going to bring me into either addiction or bring me into slavery is what the Bible says. Your sin makes you slaves, right? And so, basically, you know, if you're short-sighted, you're not thinking about why it's necessary to repent, why it's necessary to forsake, why it's necessary to pick up your cross. You know, you're not thinking about having self-control if you're short-sighted. You know, you're blind, basically. Perseverance. Um, 
How are you going to be patient? How are you going to bear up under something in the long run if all you care about is how you feel right now? Um, how are you going to be able to have reverence and, and respect and piety towards God if you're not even looking to him? You're just concerned about yourself. And so uh, godliness, reverence, respect towards God, brotherly kindness, well, yeah, it's short, you're short-sighted. How are you going to be caring about your brothers and sisters or even caring about what you think they might be going into if they're doing something? And, so the, and then obviously charity is that selfless love. It's the opposite of selfish feelings. And so just to, to when he says here now how if, if, if you don't understand his grace and his divine power has given these things and he's given us his divine nature, that can be awful condemning. Because here it says, you know, you're forgotten that you were even cleansed from your sins. Because you're thinking short-sightedly that I'm still, you know, feeling good about doing my sin. You know, you're not taking that adding unto your faith step by step to, to walk away from that. And so uh, repentance and all. But So verses 10 through 11 is, uh, are some real key verses here. And, and you can maybe uh, get a finger in Ephesians chapter 1. And um, we'll go there here shortly. But verses 10, 10 and 11. <clears throat> Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, did that just say that we got to get this list down? And if we don't do it all, we're toast because we're short-sighted and we're going to stumble and we can't get into heaven? That's not what it's saying. And the reason I want to kind of go there is because that tends to be where I would go with my worrisome flesh about whether I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And, and so it, it is real interesting here. If you want to go to Ephesians 1, verse 3, um, we'll start in, in verse 3. These are some of the things that happen to us and that we find in him. And, and, and it's something that we can now count on helping us understand so blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, without blame, before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And, you know, this is the one-on-one -on -one with him. It just brings us to a place where we do want to seek him and speak with him. So in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, when he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory and in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. In him you also believed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who guaranteed, who is the guarantee of our inheritance 
until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. Amen. I, you know, whether or not I can deliver this with uh, a silver tongue or not, I just hope those words sink in and you guys can just praise the Lord in your hearts. Because here we go. I mean, an inheritance in heaven I mean, for eternal life. And we're close. We're so close. I mean, you live to be 100 years. God bless you. That's nothing compared to eternity. And we'll be there. Once we're there, it'll be, we're, we're there. It'll be right on time. And so um, these, are, these are, you know, he says, make your calling sure. So if you've accepted the invitation, is what he's saying. You know, remember, like faith to, to his recipients are those who have obtained like faith. So they've, they've obtained, they've believed. And so, you know, you've accepted the invitation. And in the context, it's to a feast. You know, you've accepted this, this invitation. And, and to, it also has the idea, you're calling sure, you know, to embrace salvation. That is what you've obtained. That's what you've accepted when you believed, you know, to embrace salvation. And then to make election sure is on God's part. You know, that's what I wanted to talk about, the one-on-one -on -one relationship, you know, he is the one that, when he talks about election, that's his part. That's what he did. That's what we just read in Ephesians. Our part, we accepted, we obtained, you know, and we are pressing on. Um, and then he goes on to say, if you do these things, you will never stumble. All right, well, um, before I give you the definition of that word stumble, I'm going to take you to where um, I go when I need to know that no matter what situation I find my in, myself in, no matter how far off I got track, how far track I got off, um, basically, wherever you find yourself, set sail for the Lord, and that will be the right path. Whether you got off a thousand miles and you're down in Fiji, don't go to Fiji, go back to the Lord. You know, set sail in the right direction, and that is the right path from you from that day forward. So I say that to myself because of 1 John. First uh, John uh, chapter one, just one flip over one page uh, from Peter, and in uh, First John chap, uh, chapter one, verses five, all the way through First um, John chapter two, verse two, and it says, "This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not practice the truth." But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And, his blood, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, I'm going to stop right there. When I think about the light, it puts me on my face. Because the light shines on my life. It shines on everything there is about me. The word of God will reveal and show and it will expose to the core even things I don't know how bad I am. It puts me on my face. But his grace puts me at my feet where I stand before him. Like we read in Ephesians, you know, here we are standing before the Lord now in grace and in his mercy and forgiveness. Is, and here it says, his, uh, Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin, the blood. If we say that we have no sin, well, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, divine power. Um, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I write these things 
my little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, my one favorite word in the whole Bible is that word propitiation. It's a big word. You hear it every day at, at the shop, right? Hey, guys, you know, uh, we're, you know, what are we doing with that propitiation? Well, anyways, it's a real, real, I discovered this. I don't remember who was doing this or what study a long, long time ago, and it brought so much peace to me. The Bible is also translated into the Greek in the Old Testament. Uh, they call it the, um, uh, the Greek lexicon. What's it called? I can't think of it. Yeah. And it uh, basically, in the Greek Old Testament, the mercy seat and what takes place on the mercy seat is propitiation. The same Greek word or derivative of this word right here, propitiation. What does that mean? Well, you've got the ark, right? Within the ark is the law. On top of the ark is the lid. That's the mercy seat, that lid. And what takes place on the ark? Animals are sacrificed. And then they are, you know, the, that appeases the law. If Remember when the, when the uh, um, out to uh, the Israel, um, the, the ark got lost. The Philistines had it for a while. Well, it gave them all kinds of problems. They, had, they were getting tumors and they were having just get this thing out of here. And so they call for some priests, the Levites, and they go and they, 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 they stuck it on, or the Philistines stuck it on a mule. They told them to do this, stick it on a, uh, a trailer or a, a cart and put a, a cow that you've taken away the, the calves from so she doesn't know where to go and just send her on her way and the thing just wanders. In other words, there's no reason why it should have wandered where it wandered. Um, but anyways, uh, it wandered back towards um, Israel and, and the people came and they, they, the priests came and, and they were being very careful and, and David went and he just was, was uh, rejoicing. I'm not doing this justice. But if you you know, look it up and read it. But the bottom line is, what I'm getting at is, it fell over. And one of the guys reached over and touched it. And instantly killed. Well, prior to that even, when it came, they looked inside. And how many died? Uh, I can't remember. I think it was like 30,000 of Israel died because there was no mercy seat. It was the law. And the law kills. And so... Um, I should have looked that one up before I did this tonight because I didn't know I'd go there. But um, anyway, um, basically that's propitiation. It is the mercy seat. So he is the mercy seat for us. The law is covered by what he did. So um, going on then to uh, basically talking about we'll never stumble. What's he really talking about there? If you look at the context, getting back to uh, uh, Second Peter Chapter 1 and um, verse 10. It says, if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, that word stumble is right in the middle of that paragraph, verse 10 and 11. The context of that verse is your calling, your election. You know, your calling to believe the gospel. uh, To do these things adding to your faith that you have. And then it goes on to say, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The stumbling is not stumbling because you, you blew it by, you know, uh, you 
kept five cents back on change because you're making change for somebody at the carnival. I don't know. Make up an example you want. But whatever your sin, be it great, be it small, that's not the stumble that he's talking about. He's talking about that you forget and stumble away from the knowledge and the election and the calling of the gospel, of salvation. He's talking about the thing. You know, when we talk about the... the um, the, the, the people who would say backslide or the people who were saved and are no more, if I could, I don't know anybody, I couldn't tell you who that is and I wouldn't be able to tell you if you are or not. I wouldn't want to be in that position. That's something for God. But the reason I bring it up is because we tend to think that it has to do with our sin. But like we read in John, it has to do with um, our sin is is you've confessed it and it's forgiven, you're cleansed. That's not what's going to make it so that it's uh, your your loss. What's going to make it that your loss is that you no longer believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you no longer believe the gospel that he died for your sins. You no longer have the gospel. You've now blasphemed the Holy Spirit because you knew. You know what the gospel is. And uh, you you know that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, with the Father from all eternity, um, you know, so it's not that, um, again, we can make our mistakes and we do need to repent. We do need to confess. We do need to turn. But we, that doesn't cause us to lose our salvation. That doesn't cause us to now stumble so that we can't go through a gate into an everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior. What does that is if he's no longer our Lord and Savior, right? He's no longer, I hope you get that. Anyways, so the reasons for the reminder Um, Paul goes on, verses 12 through 15, uh, just a real self-explanatory. For this reason, I will not be negligent. In other words, how important it is that we keep the gospel, keep Jesus as Lord, understanding that he is indeed God with the Father. Um, To remind you all of these things through, though now, um, I'm sorry, though you now and are established, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Now, that's the New King James um, I don't know what the, uh, I think in the the King James it's departure, if you've got a King James there. That word there is exodus. You know that Christians don't die. They don't become deceased. They move, right? We leave this body, this carcass, and we move into another glorified body. And so um, when he says deceased there, he simply means move. Exodus is the actual word in, in the Greek. And so 16, for we did not follow cunning cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Um, flip again back over to First John. John talks about this. Um, the reference for this is uh, in a couple places. I think it's uh, um, Luke 7. I, I knew where this was. Oh, Mark 9, 
Matthew 17 and Luke 9. You read the account where Jesus took the disciples up onto the mountain and uh, he shone like a light. I'm going to read it because you know what? I'm, I'm not going to just try and... If you guys uh, are patient, we will do that. Let's do the one in, uh, in uh, Matthew 17. So uh, the context leading up to this, <clears throat> Peter had just you know, told the Lord that he doesn't need to die on the cross, and so the Lord said, get behind me, Satan. So Peter's probably feeling a little shy, and the Lord basically encouraged him. And if anything's encouraging, it's go up on a mountain and see the glory. That, that would definitely do it for me. But uh, if anyone desires to come after me, let him uh, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will re reward each according to his works. Now assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death uh, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transformed before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah. Now, how'd they know? I mean, they didn't have pictures. They didn't have cameras. Uh, they didn't have uh, any descriptions. Well, there's something that happens, as you know, when we go to be with the Lord. He says, we'll know all things even as we are known. So when heaven comes, when, a king, when his kingdom comes, or when there's a little... A uh, glimpse that these guys got there, they knew. There's Moses, Moses, there's Elijah. He appeared to them talking with them. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And hear him, you know. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces, were greatly afraid. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, don't be afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And so when he came down from the mountain, he said, Don't tell anybody. Well, John talks about it too, just like Peter did. And he's talking about something. You know, I've never seen with my physical eyes our Lord Jesus. I've never touched him with my physical hands. You know, um, that which we do for the least of these, my brethren, we do it as unto him. You know, that's, that's what we see, that's what we feel, that's what we touch, and that's what we do as unto him. But the Lord himself, you know, I have never, well, so if I give you a testimony, you know, it's really not, certainly our testimony will uh, overcome the enemy as described in the book of Revelation. But... Um, John talks about that in 1 John chapter 1, uh, exactly what Peter is talking about. That which was from the beginning. Remember God said, this is my beloved son. That which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, with which we had looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested. We have seen it. We bear witness to it. We declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father 
and was manifest to us. Now, first of all, the was there means, again, the deity of Jesus with the Father from all eternity. And so uh, he shone with glory. He wasn't just a man on that mountain. He was the Son of God who was with the Father and whom the Father was well pleased. He shone with glory. So there is no Jesus was born and, and then you know, became God's son, like, say, the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons or, the, you know, there's many cults. And that would be a good Bible study when you get into uh, chapter 2, Second Peter chapter 2. Um, but so he handled them. He touched them. They saw his face, right? I didn't get to do that. Well, blessed, when Thomas came, says, you know, let me put my finger in the hole that they poked in your side and and, and then I'll believe. Well, Jesus said, right? He said, you know, you believe now because you saw me? Well, blessed are those that are going to, to, to believe even though they never saw him. We believe a testimony. We believe John. We believe Peter. Because why? Because they were there. They saw him and they, they gave it to us. The Spirit also bears witness to us. This is spiritual stuff. It's, it's not something where, where there's a feeling necessarily. I've had feelings. I, I've had what I would consider when I'm sitting in a good Bible study when I was a new believer sitting here listening to Dwight teach through the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse like he does today. The heart burns because you know the prophecies are fulfilled. It's right there in scriptures. He's, he's the Lord Jesus Christ from all eternity and he was prophesied. We have that. So we've talked about that earlier tonight. Anyway, and, and uh, so that which we have seen and, we de- and heard we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And um, my joy usually ends up in tears. I don't have a whole lot of hooting and hollering. You know, that's, that's for another time. Um, but um, someday. Um, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And that word there is koinonia, a like-mindedness, a oneness. Um, Now would be a good time to consider communion when you do communion. Because you think about examining yourself. And one of the biggest casualties to our flesh is like-mindedness and koinonia with one another here in the church you know and so uh, that's something that's probably number one on the list that we have fellowship and like-mindedness and koinonia with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and we we did that earlier so um, verses 19 through 21 to finish off tonight um We did not follow, uh, or we did that, uh, verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, no prophecy uh, for, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't even want to give mockers the time of day, but there are mockers in our world. There's mockers all over our TV. 
there's, there's, I don't know if you can find a show to watch that's not a mockery to Christianity and to the Lord, to his kingdom. Um, one way or another, they're going to be trying to tell you this is a thing about men. Men came up with this. Men conjured this. The, the disciples got together and said, yeah, he rose from the dead, so he didn't really raise from the dead. You know, it was a story. They paid off the guards and all this and that. There's, a, there's so many ways that the enemy will use the mockers of this world to challenge our faith and to cause us to doubt. And we only have the word. But here, more importantly than anything is, we could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ from the Old Testament because it's prophecy fulfilled. And you do your, do your research, do your study. It's, it's a study unto itself. In fact, I remember this is where one of the first times my heart did burn within me. You know, uh, there are 600 some odd and more prophecies. In fact, Jesus said what? He said, the volume of the book testifies of me. You know, I am the word of God, he says. You know, so basically prophecy being fulfilled you know, God said um, in Book of Kings, I can't recall exactly where, you know, te- you know, test me. If I, if I don't do what I say I'm going to do, you don't have to believe me. The prophets, they had to be 100% on all the time or they got stoned one time off. You know, no Nostradamus business here. You know, no, you know, soothsayers or, or seances or whatever. No, you, you make the mistake once, you get stoned. That's what, that was the, what the law said. But um, anyway, we, we, uh, we have the more sure word of prophecy, not to mention uh, the testimony of John, Peter, the apostles, that by them, as they went out throughout the world and, and, the, and their, their uh, letters went out throughout the world, the Lord used his Holy Spirit on us so that we obtained like faith to a guy who saw him walk and felt him, grabbed him by the arm and helped him climb around the rocks. I don't know. But, but they said they handled him. The word of God became flesh. So anyways, I guess we're pretty good. Um, it's, it's, you know, the, the thing about the word, I guess I was going to say, and was, you know, he brings it to remembrance. You, you, you get into the word, you study it, always with the one-on-one in mind. Because this is his conversation with us. We pray, and we hear ourselves when we pray, but we also trust that he hears us, and we, we depend on him hearing us. But he also speaks back to us. This is a conversation. This is a relationship. This is where he's speaking back to us. And it's going to be, but wherever you are, whatever you're praying, or wherever you find yourself, he brings to remembrance the things you've put in your heart, put in, put in, your, in your mind. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And uh, don't lean on your understanding. Lean on to the, the word. So, you know, it, he brings it to remembrance. It does burn in our hearts when, when, he, when he just brings the truth of the prophecy fulfilled. It's going to comfort. It's going to convict. It's going to bring emotion. And uh, not that we would trust the emotion. We trust the word, right? Um, but that's his side of the one-on-one relationship. This is his side of it. And our side, we pray. We, we do what we need to do to add to our faith, what we need to add. And um, so why don't we just stand up, stretch your legs, and we'll pray. Lord, thank you for uh, 
thank you for your word and, and I just uh, thank you for your grace and mercy, the chance to uh, share from your word tonight. I pray that as we go out, Lord, you'd uh, be comforting, convicting where necessary, that your, your love would just be through us. Give us your love for the people in our lives, whether it's our, our family, whether it's our spouses, whether it's the brothers and sisters in our church, whether it's our neighbor who doesn't, doesn't know you or the people we work with. We just ask that you'd give us your love for them and then through us that you would just be able to love them, Lord. And, and it'd be something you gave us and we could know it's your divine power and it's you giving us your divine nature. And it's not something we had to labor towards. And, so please do that, Lord, and, and continue to bless our fellowship here and, and um, be with Dwight He'll be back on Sunday, Lord. And please, Lord, I pray for Joshua that you'd get him back on his feet and uh, back with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ from the Old Testament because it's prophecy fulfilled. And you do your, do your research, do your study. It's, it's a study unto itself. In fact, I remember this is where one of the first times my heart did burn within me, you know, uh, there are 600 some odd and more prophecies. In fact, Jesus said what? He said, the volume of the book testifies of me. You know, I am the word of God, he says. You know, so basically prophecy being fulfilled. You know, God said um, in Book of Kings, I can't recall exactly where you know, te you know, test me. If I, if I don't do what I say I'm going to do, you don't have to believe me. The prophets, they had to be 100% on all the time or they got stoned one time off. You know, no Nostradamus business here. You know, no, you know, soothsayers or, or seances or whatever. No, you, you make the mistake once, you get stoned. That's what, that was the, what the law said. But, um, anyway, we, we, uh, we have the more sure word of prophecy not to mention uh, the testimony of John, Peter, the apostles, that by them, as they went out throughout the world and, and, the, and their, their uh, letters went out throughout the world, the Lord used his Holy Spirit on us so that we obtained like faith to a guy who saw him walk and felt him, grabbed him by the arm and helped him climb around the rocks. I don't know. But, but they said they handled him. The word of God became flesh. So anyways, I guess we're pretty good. Um, it's, it's, you know, the, the thing about the word, I guess I was just going to say, and was, you know, it, he brings it to remembrance. You, you, you get into the word, you study it, always with the one-on-one -on -one in mind, because this is his conversation with us. We pray, and we hear ourselves when we pray, but we also trust that he hears us, and we, we depend on him hearing us. But he also speaks back to us. This is a conversation. This is a relationship. This is where he's speaking back to us. And it's going to be, but wherever you are, whatever you're praying or wherever you find yourself, he brings to remembrance the things you've put in your heart, put in, put in, your, in your mind. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And uh, don't lean on your understanding. Lean on to the, the word. So, you know, it, he brings it to remembrance. It does burn in our hearts when, when he when he just brings the truth of the prophecy fulfilled, it's going to comfort, it's going to convict, it's going to bring emotion. And uh, not that we would trust the emotion, we trust the word, right? Um, but that's his side of the one-on-one -on -one relationship. This is his side of it. And our side, we pray. We, we do what we need to do to add to our faith. 
what we need to add. And um, so why don't we just stand up, stretch your legs, and we'll pray. Lord, thank you for uh, thank you for your word, and and I just uh, thank you for your grace and mercy, the chance to uh, share from your word tonight. I pray that as we go out, Lord, you'd uh, be comforting, convicting where necessary. That your your love would just be through us. Give us your love for the people in our lives, whether it's our our family, whether it's our spouses, whether it's the brothers and sisters in our church, whether it's our neighbor who doesn't doesn't know you or the people we work with we just ask that you give us your love for them and then through us that you would just be able to love them lord and and it'd be something you gave us and we could know it's your divine power and it's you giving us your divine nature and it's not something we had to labor towards and so please do that lord and and continue to bless our fellowship here and and uh, be with dwight back on sunday lord and Please, Lord, I pray for Joshua that you'd get him back on his feet and uh, back with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.